when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hey listeners, and welcome to episode 75 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Patch, alongside my best friend and co-host Aaron. Hello! This week, we are pushing forward into week two of our Book to Movies Month, and we look at the socially awkward and intriguing world of Charlie, Sam, Patrick, and company as we look at Stephen Shabosky's The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Hope I got that right. Aaron, how's it going, my friend? It is going well. I'm actually a little bit nervous because when he t- anytime we have a character named Patrick, I wonder if I'm going to confuse when I'm talking about the character and I'm talking to you directly. So if that happens, that's why you, that's why you use the nickname Patch. Just say, uh, that's what's yeah, there for. That's true. So just I'll try. I'll try to keep you t- as Patch tonight and Patrick as a <laughs> as a Ezra Miller's character in the film. So um, hopefully, it wouldn't I can be a do bad that. comparison. I, I wouldn't feel too offended if you compared me to him in some be- ways. And then, yeah, because then by degrees of separation, that would make you the Flash. Can't complain about that at I all. I didn't think so. <laughs> no, I'm good with that. But no, man, I'm doing good. Um, I, I do want to mention real quick, we made some changes to our Patreon uh, this week, and I wanted to let all of our listeners know about that. So the monthly donor pick episode is kind of a highlight of our month because it's the one time we let you, the listeners, pick the movie. Now, yes, we do give you choices, but... It's always neat to see those votes rolling in and and figure out or find out what you're picking and what you want us to cover because, you know, sometimes we end up covering movies that we didn't think we were going to have to or get to, like The Faculty. And so what we wanted to do is we really want to make that more accessible for everyone. And so what we have done is we have changed up our award tiers a little bit. The highest tier now tops out at $5, and that is just, that gets you a whole ton of votes and some cool swag like stickers and stuff, and then the lowest tier is down to a dollar. So for $1, you get a vote, and you can participate in the donor pick episode every month. $1 a month, if you can spare that, you're both helping us out, and you're participating and being part of the awesome group of patrons that we have that keep the show going and obviously get to pick those monthly episodes. So check it out. Patreon.com slash feeling film. There's new reward tiers. We would love to have more of you sign up if for nothing else, because we truly do want more participation and more votes coming into this, this monthly poll. Yeah. The Patreon is such a cool thing that I've experienced with, uh, with feeling film, particularly with our monthly donor pick. I've really enjoyed seeing what people want to hear at least from the palette that we give them like we can't i don't know that we could ever just say hey pick a movie that's based on a book and then we'd get a ton of different things so within the scope of what we give them i think it's fantastic yeah and i will say this we initially we were trying to do some bonus content on a schedule and we found that just that just doesn't work for us and and as busy as our lives are and so there will still be bonus content coming into that feed occasionally but we're not going to do it based on a promised, you know, delivery time. What we yeah. what we may do though is we probably will expand what we are giving out in the Patreon as rewards. We we want to find some rewards that are more participatory in nature nature. Uh, because we really do love so much just having feedback from you listeners and, and getting to kind of interact with you that way by default. So yeah, check it out. All right, man. Thank you, Aaron. Well, let's go ahead and get right into the movie since I know that we have a lot that we want to talk about. This film is interesting to me because it is both based on a book, written, screenplayed, and directed by its author, which I don't know that I've ever seen that or ever heard of that, where the author of the book goes on to write both the screenplay and direct the film. And that, I think, could be a mixed bag of reactions because you, you and I have talked about the fact that when you get something from a book and you transfer it to the screen, we are pretty forgiving of the the director's vision, you know, how he or she interprets the book and how some things might change here and there. So this is really interesting because we kind of don't have that. I mean, Shabosky is 
I mean, he's the man. He's the guy that wrote it. And so he's sort of his own worst critic because if he changes something, it's really his fault. And we can kind of scrutinize him a little bit. But as a film, I, mean, I, I don't think you've read the book, have you? No, but I'll tell you this. I want to. <laughs> well, this this movie inspired me to read the book and both held up incredibly well. Uh, but I want to get your initial thoughts on the movie. I believe, was this your first or second time viewing this for the so show? This was my second time. I watched it okay. a couple of months ago uh, based on both yours, your recommendation and another recommendation, or the, a recommendation by another really good friend of mine who had been trying to get me to watch this for years. Both of you actually have been trying to get me to watch this for a long time. And I just, it was one of those that was in the watch list and I just never, it never stood out, you know, like it wasn't like, Oh, perks of being a wallflower. Tonight's the night for that. It just was kind of a generic title coming of age story. I thought. And so I wasn't expecting much out of it to be honest, but a couple of months ago I went through uh, a a time where I was just watching a bunch of coming of age films. I think it was around the time of our almost famous episode. Sometimes that happens. I'll, I'll watch something and just try to do all this kind of theme (laughs) as much as I can. And so Perks was a perfect fit at that time. Um, When when I first watched it, Patrick, the thing that I remember most... Patch, not Patrick. Oh, crud. Oh, yeah, Patch. So the the thing I remembered most, (laughs) the two things, one is that I really enjoyed it. I was just loved the movie. I remember being very surprised at how much I loved it. And then two, I remember just feeling completely thrown for a loop. And I know we're going to discuss this more in depth later, but the ending of the film is different and it's just, it's not something you're expecting if you haven't read the book or you don't know the story going into it. So the thing that was neat about this second viewing is being able to kind of prepare for that and place the events of the ending into context throughout the film and the story I actually had an, a perfect experience and I don't say that lightly, but it, it became a five-star film for me. I mean, it became a, an all-time favorite for me. There are very few beloved novels that are as good on screen as they are in print. I mean, we could count the list with, you know, two hands probably of truly great, 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 great adaptations. And to me, Patch, this is absolutely one of them. I could not disagree. I could not agree with you more. I think we can just go ahead and put this movie in the trophy room because this is a five-star movie for me as well. Yes, absolutely. I've seen this several times and every time that I see the film, it's one of those things where I just, I love it even more and it's not necessarily because of a moment. um, Although there are several in there that I like, but it's also, it's really about just the overall movie experience and leading up to certain parts of the film that I, I don't know that there's a film that I've ever been this emotionally invested in. I think A Monster Calls comes close to it where I know, um, I know that I'll, you get those moments where you know you want to well up, you want to get emotional for something. Mm-hmm. This movie has parts and a particular part that we'll definitely talk about that I try not to get emotional and I do. Okay. So, so this is something incredibly different for me and it's not something that I'm just kind of glutton, you know, glutton for punishment necessarily, but it's, if I were going to get the, a visceral reaction, if I were going to connect with a film, this is how I would at the, like, this is how I would fully connect with it is in a, is in a movie like this. And I never expected it. You know, I never expected the first time I saw this to get that connection. I never thought that I would keep that connection on multiple viewings, but I do. Mm-hmm. And that it surprises me. I mean, it really honestly surprises me how much that I am able to, to, you know, physically or emotionally connect with this in a way that just completely almost makes me scatterbrained. I'm like, okay, I've got to, got to take a break for a minute. You know, I've just, I'm just, just swollen with, with emotion, mm-hmm. but, but it's great. And I think that's what makes the movie great for me is that I, I I can't deny my connection to it. I don't have to fake anything. The the thing I completely agree with you, and I I think the thing that's fascinating about that to me is that I can contrast this with with say Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? 
which is another that I would put in this pantheon of, of beloved books with a perfect adaptation on screen. That film series is so impacted by the orchestral accompaniment and the dramatization of what is taking place. Like that is part of what makes me well up and get that, get emotional. Like you're talking about with perks, but for perks, I'm sitting here on the couch completely fine. There's no orchestra playing in the background. Even the music is not very manipulative in any kind of way when it, when it shows up on screen, it's very bare bones storytelling and acting even as far as what's taking place in the scenes, but it's this dialogue, man. And I can be almost half paying attention to this movie and I can hear something and it catch my ear enough that it got my full attention. And before I know it, my eyes are, are welling up with tears and and I don't have, it's, it's that tears. And I think this is what you were talking about. It's those tears that you don't have control over because Sometimes you can watch a movie where you know something's going to happen that is sad or, you know, that's, I guess it's telegraphed. Maybe that's the right word for it. Monster, a monster calls is telegraphed. We know what's going to happen. We can see it kind of coming. We know we're building up to this moment with a mom that has cancer. That's not really the case with perks. It's, it's just kind of like, oh, 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 you know, and then before you know it, you're, you're balling and you are, you're feeling so much that your heart's just like bursting out of your chest. And it's, it's, it's a, it's very visceral. Like you said, uh, it, as a, as far as that's a great word to describe the emotional impact of watching this. Well, and there's something about, it feels more honest that way. I don't feel theatrically, um, persuaded to feel a certain thing. I feel more like a, a person who is just walking through the lives of these three individuals, Charlie in particular, and I'm experiencing, the things that he's experiencing alongside him. And I, I've said this a lot on the show that when I become a participant rather than a spectator, mm. that's what makes a movie better for me. And, and there's some real magic that happens with that. And to see it in such a way that feels very simple, very, very just not, I mean, I would call it, I wouldn't call it plain because there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. But I, I think that when you don't have the dramatic music or you don't have the buildup, you just have something kind of slowly creep in hints of this, you know, whatever the event is. And then it suddenly just kind of comes upon you. I mean, you're in that trauma with him. So I, oh, it's just, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just good. I mean, I can't, I can't really say much more about that as far as the movie experience goes, but, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the themes that we, that we, that we looked at, uh, as that we want to look at in the film. The first being this deep need to know, completely who we are. Now, this is something that occurs a lot in coming-of-age films. I mean, it's really kind of the backbone of a coming-of-age film. You have a character, a central character, who is he is one way or he or she is one way, and then by the end of the film, they've changed in some way. And it has a lot to do with identity, right? But what I think is really interesting about this is we have a, um, we have a guy, we have a series of people, not just one person, but Charlie and Patrick and, um, and Sam all who are changing, all who have moments where they are just one way. And by the end of the film, I think they've all kind of grown another way. But in particular, there's a sense of that they're fighting for it. They're fighting against these demons of bullies, broken relationships, social awkwardness, and even trauma to an extent to figure out who it is that they are. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Did you see that? Uh, did you connect with that if you did? Did, am I coming from left field? What, what were your thoughts on that? No, I, I definitely don't think that you're coming from left field with that. I mean, I think that is probably the number one connected theme for every character in this. And what resonates so well with us about perks is that I think all of the themes involve us and, and moments that we have gone through. So when we were in high school, we have experienced bullies. We have experienced these broken relationships. We've experienced many of us social awkwardness. And then as we've gotten older, I'm sure even more of us have experienced trauma, grief. 
these are all things that we can wholeheartedly connect with the characters over. And so it's, it's really brilliantly written because none of them feel like, Oh, this is the, that character. And this is the, that character. If that makes sense at all, they're like, they're not stereotypes. Agreed. At least they don't feel like it to me. No, they're definitely a mess of characters. And I mean that in the most (laughs) honest uh, and loving way. Yeah. Well, yeah. In a very positive way. And I think that's what makes this movie feel truthful is that we don't get those stereotypical characters. We find out more about each one and we go, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, that's why he's that way. Or that's why she's that way. And we find these things out as the story progresses. And I think that's what makes those character connections easier because as an audience, if we're walking through a film or a story that is meant to be, quote, honest, we want to, and I'm sure the directors and writers in this case, the same guy, wants us to feel like we're in it with them, mm-hmm. like we're like we're part of that group that they have formed in this case it's not the losers club uh, it's or is it the losers <laughs> wrong episode no yeah wrong episode i know <laughs> but but there's a sense of just these well wallflowers you know it's you know hence what the title is based on but um i think that's what makes them good is that they're not conventional stereotypes yeah and i think even you know there's a lot of dialogue in the film that even speaks to this there's a there's a particular line where um, Charlie says something like, so this is my life and I want you to know that I am both happy and sad and I'm still trying to figure out how that could be like, that's exactly that dilemma that you go through when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you're going to be. And, and, you know, each of the character goes, characters go through an arc, you know, that's something else that's pretty, pretty incredible about this is that they all have to deal with that same issue in their own way and trying to figure out, you know, for uh, gosh names for Sam, you know, is it going to be going to Penn state, you know, for Patrick, how's he going to deal with his sexuality and how people perceive him or see him, especially with regards to, you know, his family and his, his hidden boyfriend, things like that. Um, and of course, Charlie with, everything going on in his life uh, much more than he lets on until the end. But yeah, I, I love that about this and it, and it scares me to be honest somewhat because my daughter is, this is her first year of high school. So she just started high school this week as I'm watching this movie. And I was thinking, this is a terrible time for us to be covering. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why did, why did I do this? Um, You know, and it, it, it always brings that thought back to my mind about how, kids are still trying to figure out who they are. And as a parent, I feel like watching this movie is somewhat of a reminder to me to encourage my kids to try new things, which I always do. And, you know, let them be inspired by what makes them happy and what they get excited about and try and, you know, be a part of that with them. Don't discourage them and don't try to pigeonhole them into something that I want them to be into. Right. Let, let them figure it out, you know, and be a safety net in which you can try and help maneuver them through this. And I, I love Charlie's parents in this movie because mm-hmm. I feel like they are a genuinely good family. And I feel like they have, they try, you know, they try to engage with their kids. They have family dinners, you know, I, I love seeing mm-hmm. that in a movie. How rare is that these days? Those are the things that I think about when I'm watching this. Yeah, his family was a very big smile reaction for me, seeing moments with him and his brother, moments with him and his sister, and particularly the scene just after um, his breakdown near the end of the film Mm -hmm. and the scene at the dinner table. That's the one I'm talking about, yeah. Where he he asks, he says, so so dad, how are the pins going to do this year? I mean, here's a kid who has no interest at all in sports, in particular hockey and he's making a comment to his dad you know how are the penguins doing and he goes <laughs> he goes yeah. gd penguins and then i love says, what the dog what are, she is yeah. his sister and she says yeah. can you pass the gd potatoes 
<laughs> so you're cruising for a bruising, right? <laughs> or she says, don't you mean pass the GD potatoes? Something exactly, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's fantastic because, you know, we know and they know that he's not interested in that. Like a snapshot of this desire to be normal, this mm-hmm. desire to be safe. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of what this film is trying to preach in some way, shape, or form is how do we find a safe place? What are the safe places for these characters? For Charlie, he starts out in a way that is not safe. And I think that that's a huge progression is how he finds safety. Let me ask you a question about that because okay, one thing we've tried to start doing more of is asking, posting a thread in our Facebook discussion group before we record and, and seeing what listeners think about certain films. Like, do you have, do you have thoughts on this? Is there something you want us to talk about? What did you think of this movie? Well, one of our listeners and, and uh, generous patrons, by the way, uh, Jacob Neff, he's, he, he gave me a brief review of the film in the, in the comment thread. And I wanted to read it because this ties into what you're talking about with seeking that place of safety. He said, my brief review teen with a difficult past gets in with the wrong crowd who the movie makes out to be the right crowd, despite their careless sexuality and drug and alcohol use. There's some intriguing relationship drama, but other than friends standing up for each other and helping our main character out of a dark place, I found little to appreciate. The thing I want to ping in on is him talking about the them being the wrong crowd primarily because of their careless sexuality drug and alcohol use so the thing i i'm wondering what you would say to answer this or to to this kind of criticism because we're talking about looking and finding a safe place so can there be a safe place within the context of what this group is doing because this mm. is not a youth church youth group setting <laughs> of friends right this is right. this is something that is what makes this story so impactful for me this is real like this is a realistic setting snapshot of what i feel like a group of friends could look like in almost any high school in america right so does do the ends justify the means when you're talking about you know, finding that safe play with place within this group. If I'm going to get candid, if you take Jesus out of the equation, absolutely. I think that when it comes to a sense of worldly safe safety, mm-hmm. when it comes to being not just being accepted, but being protected, that's a very real thing that happens all over the place. I remember watching an episode of the West wing and one of the characters was talking about gangs and he said, the world looks at gangs and they say, man, wow, that guy's in a gang. And he says, but the guys within that that group would say, man, I'm in a gang. There's pride there. Mm-hmm. And I think for, for Charlie, what he found was what he felt like he needed. As an outsider, as a spectator, as someone who has the worldview that I do, if that was my son, heck yeah, I'd be concerned if I knew all that was happening. But then again, the worldview that I have doesn't exist in that in that space, okay? And I think that when it comes to this story being told, safety is real, and I think it's genuine more than anything else. I think that Sam and Patrick genuinely care for Charlie. Mm -hmm. They genuinely want to look out for him. They genuinely find value in who he is. They're not just trying to get something from him. And in the same way, he's doing that exact same thing. Because he comes around and protects Sam. He comes around and protects Charlie. He protects his sister. You know, he is a person that cares deeply for those who genuinely care for him. Now, I'm not saying it's a quid pro quo relationship, but I think that when he has shown that kind of affection, when he has shown that kind of compassion, protection, comfort, he genuinely dishes it right back out. And I think that in that context, absolutely, there's safety there. Does that mean that at some point later on in this life for Charlie and Patrick and Sam, they're going to hurt each other? Absolutely. We see it in the movie. Mm -hmm. But this film is a slice of life. And that's what I think it's more than just a coming of age film is it's a piece. And I think that's that's part of what gives it strength is that is Shabosky says 
this is just a piece of this life that these three characters are in. You know, they go on to do other things. I kind of want to know what happened to these three individuals Mm. 10 years later, but I I kind of don't. I don't. Not at all. Because because I think the story is perfectly told in a way that says, this is just a moment, okay? And I think that's one of the other big things is the moments that matter to these characters. And there are a ton in this, I guess, less than two-hour movie. And I think holding on to those moments who make you who you are, who continue to kind of uh, craft you and, and change you and turn you into these different things and help you grow, that's a huge theme in this movie. And I think it speaks to that, that safety that, that Charlie feels and that the other two feel. They almost feel there's a sense of completeness that they have mm-hmm. with him. You know, they're brother and step, stepbrother and stepsister, but I feel like they were missing something before they met Charlie. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's like a glue uh, in, in a sense for the group. Uh, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, he kind of brings everything together and and completes that circle in a mm-hmm. in a big way. And so, no, I I wholeheartedly agree. And just even in general, I think just because a story depicts characters in a way that they are experiencing things that maybe even a, our personal as a viewer worldview might not agree with. I don't mm-hmm. think that that doesn't mean it can't be a positive experience. I mean, it's not, it's not even a film that I would discourage my kids. Like I eventually I'll, I'll be able to watch this with my kids because it's not something that is glorifying a behavior in any way. It's showing it in a way that says this is, this is real and this is a, you know, kind of what happens and you know, it doesn't always end up well, you know? So, and, 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 the the events that take place in the film, the things that, you know, as as a parent, I would definitely consider detrimental and maybe immoral to an extent, are things that don't drive the characters change. I no. mean, it's not that no, no, no. it's not that his 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 brownie experience or his acid trip made him better. I think in a lot of ways, it at the very it, maybe at the very least, it made him honest in those moments. Mm-hmm. But it didn't make him a better person. And I, I, in no way do I think that Shabosky is saying, you need drugs and you need a, a deprecated lifestyle to change. I, I don't think that's what he's doing at all. I, he might be depicting maybe a more extreme version of what it's like in high school. Maybe not. I confess this was not the crowd that I hung with in high school. So I don't know. Although I felt like a wallflower at times in my own little way, but I had guys like you and Ben and... Matt and Garen to kind of be my own personal, you know, core of friends. But I don't think that Shabosky is trying to say the deviant lifestyle is what makes a person better. I no. think what he's, what he's using is that as a backdrop to show these friendships that are ultimately very genuine. Yeah, I do too. And I, and you know, we were going to talk a little bit about characters other than Charlie as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to kick that off here because I, I, love Patrick. I mean, I, I do. I love, 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 love this character so much. This role to me, Ezra Miller is just phenomenal playing this character. Uh, I I was shocked once again. I I remember having this epiphany the first time that I watched this and thinking, wow, this guy's the flash. Uh, And then being, (laughs) and then I, it happened all over again this time. I was like, wait a second, this guy's the flash. Like it just still doesn't connect the dots for me uh, that this guy is going to play a superhero. It just doesn't seem, you know, like it's going to work, I, I, I guess, because it's so different. Um, but anywho, that being said, I really enjoy the character, like from the very beginning, from the time we meet him, he is per- is being that deviant in some ways. You know, he's up in front of the class making fun of the teacher. And then, you know, that actually can completes all the way to the end of the film where he pulls the prank on the shop teacher where he's painted all of the equipment pink and the shop teacher is like giving him a hard time. And he, he goes to me and says, you know, if don't, don't, don't do it. If you fail me, you know, I'm coming back next year. <laughs> and there's a sense of, there's, I guess it gives me, he gives me a sense of understanding to some of his quote unquote deviance and, and the way that he acts. It's, it's a little bit, it's innocent. You know, like he's not harming anybody. 
with any of the things he does. Um, it's lighthearted in nature. Even when he's up making fun of the teacher and the teacher comes in, the teacher kind of gets a giggle out of it as well. And, you know, this carries forward into his relationships with Sam and Charlie and Mary Elizabeth and the others. Um, I love right off the bat, you know, at the, the football game, it's a great scene just when they're getting there together and um, he's introducing himself as, as nothing kind of, you know, jokingly. And I just, his arc for me is so impactful and I, it it makes me hurt and Mm -hmm. it makes me hurt for him. And particularly uh, there's a scene that almost was my connecting point with him and his character. It's kind of the culmination for him. And it starts off, with he and Brad in the lunchroom Mm. and he is Brad has, has broken up with him, you know, his boyfriend that's behind closed doors. And, uh, he calls him a faggot in the middle of the lunchroom as he's walking away. And Patrick comes up and he hits him. You know, he finally resorts to kind of a violent outburst at this. He, he, he reaches his breaking point of being, bullied or put down or judged and it felt so tangible just like the sense of his rejection on screen i I genuinely felt like i was being rejected with him in a lot of ways and then we get to see charlie come in and kind of defend him and all of this happens and it it, then it goes forward and it's Charlie and he and they're they're outside and they're talking and you know he's kind of telling his story in a roundabout way of, of what's going on and why things are the way they are and I just I just love him man he has a line then where he says why can't you save anybody and it's it's just he's a character who has defined by that line so much pessimism but lives optimistically like Mm -hmm. he almost lives with hope and and joy even though he knows he or he believes that it's never gonna result in that for him you know like that's for that's for other people and gosh i don't know i just i really connect with his character in a big way well and hope is a is a word that i think lives in this movie in terms of him in particular, because you said it very well that in spite of the life that he is living and the rejection that he feels in different ways, he lives honestly. He lives in a way that he believes is the, the way he is supposed to be. And to me, that's fighting for who you are. That's fighting for your identity and not changing for the sake of what a culture would say is wrong. Again, I personally have a differing worldview when it comes to that, but I can in so many ways appreciate and value the strength that his character has throughout the movie and how he brings levity to it. I, I, I think it's fantastic. The The football scene was, was a contender for my connecting point because I you would expect – you would not expect somebody like Patrick to love football, okay, and go nuts for it. Now we sort of let me find out in some way why he likes football. Yep. But I love when Charlie comes up to him and he, I love how Charlie just sort of, kind of starts at the bottom of the of the bleachers and he comes up by halfway, and he sits and then he comes up a little bit more right across from <laughs> from Patrick, like he's just kind of slinking up there, and he says, "Hey, you're in my shop class," and he goes, yeah. I says, uh, he says, hey, you're Patrick, aren't you? And Patrick goes later on. He says, thanks for not calling me nothing. Yeah, that's what I was trying and, to refer to. Yeah, and he sort of, yeah, and he sort of kind of laughs it off. But you see in that moment where he's like, okay, this guy sees me for who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm not a punchline. I'm not a joke. I'm not just part of the back background of high school. And. I love the beginnings of that relationship between him and Charlie. And that the, what I think is the nice bookend to that is the moment where we're right either before or after he says that line, why can't we, why can't we save people or why can't you save people where he 
goes in and, and, and kisses Charlie. And then he just, he says, I'm sorry. And he starts crying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, these are tender moments that allow me to want to just give Patrick a hug. Exactly. And tell him it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I think a performance like that um, deserves a superhero costume with lots of speed <laughs> behind it. You know, I, I, I was like you when I saw him in this, and then I found out that he was playing the Flash. I was like, mm, no, 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 that's not right. And then I saw the clip that they showed from uh, just just after I guess BVS from on set or whatever, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get behind this guy well, because he's super he's talented. Really, he really is. He's he's amazingly talented. So I'm excited to see him in that. Well, I also want to just before we bounce off him to say, you know, with the whole worldview and, and difference there, the, the what this movie reminds me of is is just compassion for everyone because mm. it doesn't matter what your personal worldview is. I don't have to approve of uh, homosexuality. I don't have to approve of promiscuity. I don't have to approve of drug use to understand that these are examples of real life human beings out in the world that go through these emotions every single day Mm -hmm. and that they are worthy of being seen. They are worthy of being heard and they are worthy of being treated with respect and love and care, regardless of what I may feel about the choices they are making in that moment, you know? And And so that's what's so powerful to me about it is it it gives me those feelings. It, It reminds me that and lets me then take that out into the world with me. And what I love is the fact that uh, the words safety net or safety and comfort, those are universal ideals and everybody needs that. Mm. And regardless of your worldview, we all need to be proponents of being a safe place for people. Yeah. Whether or not we agree or disagree with some way in which they think, behave, act, whatever, I want to be known as someone who's a safe place for the people in my life. And this is a film that reminds me of that. It doesn't challenge it necessarily, but it reminds me that everyone deserves that safe place and everyone deserves that compassion and everyone deserves that value of being told you're, you're not nothing. <laughs> yeah. You are this person. Yeah. You know? Great way to put it. There's a, there's a great line in the movie that you and I, and I think a lot of people connect with one because I think it's the last line of the movie, but it's spoken a few more times and it's this, idea of uh being infinite (laughs) it's such an abstract phrase we are infinite in that moment we are infinite and i wanted to ask you aaron how do you interpret that in the film from from uh, from viewing this film what do you think is meant by that in those moments well basically i'm tying this mostly to the when it's mentioned at the end of the movie there's a a monologue that is going i think it's voiceover with charlie while he's, um, you know, in the tunnel, um, riding the car as the movie's ending. And the thing that it, it means to, or the thing that it means to me, I guess, is just that he knows what he feels in that moment. Um, and he also knows, he knows that it's not for long. So it will end someday, but that's okay. Because he's not going to think about those painful moments. He's not going to think about the fact that his love may not last or his friendships may not carry forth for the rest of his life. In that moment, while they're together, while they are all connected and jointly committed to the same relationships, feeling the same way about each other and everything is quote unquote perfect in his world. That's, that's what he's considering infinite. And to me, it's kind of this, just understanding that he wants to live in that and, and live in that present. And he's acknowledging it. Whereas most of us go through these same moments in our lives and they flee, they're fleeting. They pass by just as the bad ones kind of do. We tend to linger on the bad ones even more. And Charlie is acknowledging that we need to hang on and make infinite those great ones as long as we can because we know they're not going to last. I guess, I guess that's kind of what I take out of it. Okay. I, I agree with you. And I want to add to that. I think that it is all of those things. The fact that in that moment he's holding on to these perfect 
these perfect moments, this perfect moment with, with, with Sam. Cause he, I love the fact that he says, and she is beautiful. And so he's specifically calling out what we don't get to see fully is a fleshed out, genuine love expressed towards, towards Sam by Charlie. They, they dance around it. And there are a couple of times that are I just love where, um, in particular, she's with him. I think it's at the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. And she says, and she basically makes that comment that um, she says, I want the first person you kiss. I want you to, I want you to know the first person you kiss to, to I'm butchering the line. Essentially, she's saying, I want you, I, I want to make sure that the first person you kiss loves you. Okay. And that love is, when I interpreted that love was a genuine, like, not just you know sexual love or anything like that, but it was a I care deeply. There's just there's this moment of just real depth. Anyway, so when we get to the end there, I think that when he says we're infinite, and he says it a couple other times in the movie, but I think it's beyond just holding on to those moments. Because I think it's this responsibleness of not just holding on to those moments, but being willing to move forward. Because that moment will not last. And he is, I, I think I, I like the fact that he says in this moment, we are infinite. Exactly. Because I think like, like what you mentioned, he's acknowledging the fact that it's not going to be there and I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm not going to force myself to stay here because I have to grow up. I have to continue to change because I couldn't have gotten to this moment, this tunnel song moment without change, without crisis, without moving forward. You know, at the end of the, the beginning of the year, he would not have been in that truck with those two had he not chosen to make some of the choices that he did that changed him. Mm-hmm. And I think that it makes that line that much more powerful because it doesn't have a double meaning, but it has a double impact because he's not just celebrating that moment that he's in, but he's recognizing the fact that it is just that it's a moment and he's okay when it moves away because Sam's going back to Penn State and, um, and 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 Patrick's going back to Washington, you know. So again, it goes back to this, this idea that you know we're not going to see what happens afterwards, and that's okay because we're in that moment with them. And so their story is infinite at that point for us. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Uh, so is we can tie ourselves into that by by okay. thinking of it that way, you know. And it right. lives forever. It is infinite. The movie is infinite for us. It is the <laughs> the example of what they're showing us is infinite. Yeah. Going back to some of the criticisms that we that we that we heard through our through our Facebook group, the one of the criticisms was that the tragedy of the kids was too nonchalant or ridiculous. I can halfway agree with that. I think that in quote real life, how often do you find a set of like three or four teenagers that are dealing with such you know drama in their lives? But I think it's impactful. Because it needed to be in a movie like this, they each if 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 Shabosky, if Shabosky was actually crafting the story as a quote real story as a documentary, maybe we wouldn't have that. But that's not the point. That's not the story he's telling. He crafted these characters and gave them character traits that I think forced them to lean on each other and and increase that need for each other. Yeah, I I got no problem with it. Frankly, it's a it's a story. It's, it's fiction. And it's just like we've talked about in past episodes of, of biopics where we discuss biopics and those, that is the char- character, uh, blah, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, the not caricature, real life? not caricature. When you <laughs> use one character as a stand in for many. Oh, uh, shoot. Yeah. Uh, composite, a composite. Yes. So it's not much different than using a composite character to try and get across various points of view. Um, you know, this is, and frankly, this also does exist some places just because it's not Mm -hmm. everybody's group of friends. Does that make it any less impactful? So yeah, I, I'm right. I disagree with that one. What else did we have? The, one of the other criticisms were that, were that themes are kind of muddled, and that it's, quote, solutions and goals are often merely a recipe for another generation of brokenness and dysfunction. I, I I can see that for sure. I think it's not a story that wraps up very well. I mean, yes, we have, quote, a happy ending in that we don't have, we have some recovery, we have different things happen. But 
yes, this is a story that's messy. And I enjoy stories like this because that's what life is. For me, this is where my personal connection comes in is that life isn't about a wrapped up story. And it is hard to to see some of the themes that come out. It, it comes with multiple viewings. And I'm not saying that's required to make this movie great. I'm saying that my first viewing enticed me to see it again. And that second viewing gave me a deeper understanding of what these these themes are. I think the solution can be wrapped up in this quote that Charlie says where he says, we can't choose where we come from, but we can choose where we go from here. And he says, I know it's not all the answers, but it's enough to start putting these pieces together. That line right there, Mm. it's enough to start putting the pieces together. That tells me that he knows he's not fixed yet. Right. He's not Work in progress. Work in progress. And I think that's what the story is. It's a, it's a snapshot of a work in progress for these three individuals and, and subsequent characters, you know, surrounding them, but for these three individuals. And I think that's where the beauty of it comes from because it's sort of a snapshot of where we are in our lives, that we are a work in progress. We're always moving forward and changing. So the last one that I want to approach is one that I, I heard a lot of, and it's, uh, it can be summed up in basically this, that the ending came out of nowhere or it's called some people call it the twist ending and i will partially agree with that that it is a twist (laughs) it's one of these moments where we didn't see it coming and i think the first digestion of that on first viewing can be very difficult to take in one because it's something that we don't see explored a lot in coming of age films or maybe in a lot of films at least i don't see that um Two, because it's one that it's hard to connect the dots of everything else that happens in the movie when we kind of get the reveal. And I think that upon multiple viewings, I look at that and I say it's really more of an aha moment that as an audience, we become participants. Well, if we've been participants already, we really become participants at this moment. It connects it. It connects us to it the most. We are now in the room with Charlie when he is going through his breakdown. And I got to tell you, man, I've experienced it. I've had that kind of abuse in my past. And so for me, I am very much okay with saying subjectively that I connected with this moment. And this was very real to me. And when I, when I watched the movie knowing that, that that's the root of what he experiences, I get it. I get why he's awkward. I get why he is unable to express himself in a way that is sometimes logical, that he needs <laughs> drugs to be completely honest with people. And it breaks me, man. I mean, I look at that moment, and all I'm hearing in my head is, it's not your fault, Charlie. It's not your fault. It is not your fault. I know I'm going through like a goodwill hunting moment here, but I am, I, I, I'm holding his shoulders and I'm trying to look at him like in my head. I'm saying, it's not your fault. And it's just that when, when you experience that, when you, when you have that kind of thing happen to you, it changes you and you don't realize what the impact is and how it can play into your social life, how it can pay, play into your relationships with, um, with people of the opposite sex, it is, it is, it is hard, man. I mean, it is, and and it's so surprising when you realize, oh my gosh, that's, that's why. Mm -hmm. And you feel embarrassed. You feel like completely, um, vulnerable. And in that moment, in those moments, when you get that realization, all you want is a safe place. All you want is for someone to look at you, wrap their arms around you and say, it's going to be okay. You're in a safe place. Nobody's going to touch you. And you get, and, and when you surround, when people are surrounding you with protection like that, man, that's when I connected with Charlie. I was like, wow, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely get that. And to me, if it's a twist ending or it came out of nowhere, man, watching it, knowing, watching it again, knowing that that happened makes so makes Charlie make so much more sense. He's right. not just an awkward teenager. He has purpose. You know, he has, he has agency because of that. And it's a very real agency. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate you sharing that um, and giving that context because I think 
that those of us that have not need to remember that people watching this have. It's not only people that have not watching this and that there is a very different reaction and a very uh, different connection to that addressed in this movie. Just like there's probably those out there that have had an incredibly promiscuous history who may relate to a different character, you know, very well, Mm -hmm. um, or who may have, you know, grown up having to hide their sexuality and, and relate to Patrick Mm -hmm. in a, in that same incredibly powerful, um, and emotional way that, that you do in that ending for me as an ending. Yeah. It was out of nowhere and it, it, it was too abrupt for me to in the moment process it. Once I was able to think through it and especially upon watching it the second time, I I definitely am fine with it. I had no misunderstandings. It was, it was definitely an aha moment for me as well where I said, that's why. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now it makes sense. And I'm glad that it was not put in the beginning of the film I would have watched the whole movie in an entirely different way. I would have victimized Charlie from the very beginning, and I would not have treated him with the respect that he needed to be treated as a character. Mm-hmm. And I will fully admit that that that's wrong, but that's what it would have happened. I would have not. I would have thought the whole movie through about, oh, this is what he's going through. And I think you you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the storytelling piece here. Is that Charlie doesn't know either, so we're right there with him. We're going through this in kind of his eyes. So why would we know? He doesn't know. And we kind of understand and come to that realization together. And so for me, it made that second viewing even better because now I'm watching it with that knowledge. And I picked up on a couple pieces of dialogue where it was, it was hinted at where things were kind of made clear and it didn't lose any of its emotional impact either. In fact, one of the things that I did resonate with was just a quick brief moment at the hospital where I thought, man, can you imagine being a parent and finding out Mm. that your sibling abused your child? Like how, how must that feel? You know what I mean? Like I I can't really fathom what that would feel like as a, as a a person tend to know that someone that important to you as, as a a brother or a sister could do something like that to your child. And so there were things like that, that I really did um, catch on to in addition this time. And I, yeah, I, I have no problem with the ending at all uh, whatsoever. Now I think it's handled with a lot of care and a lot of restraint and Shibosky never is manipulative or uh, exploitive with the content. Yeah, very, very good stuff, man. Well, before we roll into our connecting point, I want to bring something up that I that I was thinking about. When my connecting point was almost the final scene in the movie, which is them going into the tunnel and, and it's just the ending. Everything gets kind of a happy moment there, and I, I loved it, and I couldn't help it. But I thought about something when I saw this scene of Sam and Charlie – well, Charlie at the end of the film standing up in the back of the vehicle as they're going through the tunnel. And earlier Sam had done the same thing, right? Stood up, arms wide open, wild and free. It's when the monologue happens and the We Are Infinite line comes out again. And there's a song that's playing during both of these different occasions. And I was doing a little research and I found out that the song in the book was actually Fleetwood Mac's Landslide. And in the movie, they changed it to David Bowie's Heroes. And so I kind of think that means that the tunnel song can be something very personal. And so I wanted to know what your tunnel song was. And I'm going to give mine first. Can I give you a little idea of how I how I thought about this? And then what I hope is that at least for the release week of this episode, listeners can come to the Facebook group and tell us what their tunnel song is in addition to their connecting point. Cause I think it'd be kind of cool to get a whole list of tunnel songs together and put it on a Spotify playlist and, and put that link somewhere for people to, to get to. So my, my idea of this tunnel song and what it would mean for me 
I'm choosing a praise chorus by Jimmy Eat World. And they're my favorite band, so I kind of knew right away it was probably going to be a Juice song. Uh, and I, it was more of like a, a situation of narrowing it down <laughs> to which one is the right one. But this song in particular is perfect. It's about living life with no regrets and making today the day that you start, even if you're 25. <laughs> uh, it's also about taking chances and getting the confidence to live in the present, whether that's helped by falling in love, i.e. the perks of being a wallflower, or hearing the music you want. The entire song speaks to this throughout, but I think there's really one standout lyric that definitely uh, kind of epitomizes it down into one, and that's when he says, Are you going to waste your time? Gotta make a move or you'll miss out. Now, not only is this inspiring to me, but I think it's just a rocking good time. It's an incredibly catchable, catchy song. It's got a memorable hook with the, the Crimson and Clover over and over. So... It is definitely the anthem that I want blasting on the radio when I'm going through that tunnel with my arms like wide open to life. And so, yeah, that's that was something that I just kind of thought about here recently after seeing this time around. And I wondered if you had a tunnel song. If I had to pick one, I I was thinking about lyrically as also and also rhythmically, because I think that uh, Fleetwood Mac's Landslide, I think for a movie that that had this kind of energy. I guess that's part of the reason why they changed it is because landslide is kind of a, would not have come. It's a mellow song, right? Wouldn't have fit. But I love the fact that the thought of the tunnel song could be anything. And I'm glad you brought that up for me. It's you two's where the streets have no name. And I love the, cause I love the rhythm. I love the, it's, it's a, it's a driving tune by, by default. So it's just a really great song to drive to. But the lyrics are just so cool because it's, I want to run, I want to hide, I want to tear down the walls that hold me inside. And it's not about me. I mean, this is about Ireland. This is about Bono's kind of protest for the social <laughs> you know, inequality of, of his home country. But there's passion behind that, man. And when he gets to the, uh, I, I guess it's the, maybe it's the chorus or the, the refrain or something. We're still building and burning down love, burning down love and and when I go there, I'll go there with you. It's all I can do. It's just, ah, oh, I love when that song comes on the radio or if I have it in my car, I just turn the volume up and then I turn it up some more. And then as the song com- continues to progress it, I mean, my speakers are probably like, stop, what stop? What, what is it you're doing? And, uh, and to me, that's my tunnel song. Like that would be the song that if I had a truck with, you know, that in a tunnel that, that I could stand up and just, you know, put my arms way out and scream, that would be the one that would be blaring in my speakers. Of course, somebody else would be driving because then I would be considered a dangerous driver at that point. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. I, I, yeah, I had no idea what you were going to choose. And I, I think it's exciting to hear these and, and find out what kind of connects each person. It's like, it's like a connecting point, right? Yeah. Um, but kind of defined into that moment and what that moment means for those characters and what, you know, by default that would mean for you if it was you in their place. So yeah, listeners come to the Facebook group, tweet us, send us an email, feelandfilm at gmail.com and let us know what your tunnel song is. We would love to know. All right. Yeah. Patrick connecting points. Uh, this patch. movie patch patch connecting Patrick's points. your connecting point. <laughs> Patrick was just about my connecting point. Uh, <laughs> so connecting points are a go. Which one did you come up with? Were you able to narrow it down? Let's, let's ask you that question. I was, and I could take the default position and say it's Charlie's breakdown because that's the one that I just completely lose it. But I think there's a moment that makes me earn that moment. So it makes it if without this particular one, it doesn't make that one as impactful and it has to be to me it's the um it's the it's the moment at the party when charlie confesses that to sam that his best friend shot himself and he does it so nonchalantly he's baked and so he's getting a milkshake and he says you know where's your friend now oh he shot himself last year and you see this look on emma watson's face like did you just tell me that your friend shot himself? There's this look of despair, surprise. I mean, with one expression, she's saying so many things. And it leads into her telling Patrick, whispering to him that she doesn't think that 
Charlie has any friends, which in turn leads to this. And this is a passionate moment for you where he says, everyone raise their glass to Charlie. Gosh, I love it. And it solidifies his place in that world that he desperately needed to be in. Because up to that moment, he was just this awkward dude. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was just along for the ride. He was almost like a little mascot. And I think for Patrick and Sam, it's that moment where they said, this guy's broken too. This guy has problems like we do. Mm -hmm. Let's bring him in because we need him (laughs) and he needs us. And I'm reminded of the fact that endorsement is such a huge thing to us as people as a culture that that this need to be accepted and validated in who we are. And it's that scene right there where not only the adventure for the three of them really begins, but we begin to unpack their baggage as an audience and we become part of their unpacking. And even in those moments I was thinking, man, here's some of the baggage that I could unpack that they would be really cool with, not cool with the baggage, but cool with the fact that I'm, I'm giving it to them. And it made for a really fantastic emotional connection. So when I when I get to that point later on where Charlie has his breakdown, man, it's it's because of that moment before where um where he confesses that and then is just endorsed. Uh, I, it's 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 very honest, very cool, and and very just connected for me. So that's my connecting point. That's a good one. I I love any of the moments with Patch. No, Patrick. See, ah, goodness gracious. I love those moments with him. And I, I also really like the one where he gives the gifts and he's dressing Charlie up as this writer. I, oh, goodness. Oh, so when Charlie good. gets the hat and the, the suit, or gets the, not the hat, gets the suit and the jacket. And then, you know, ultimately he obviously gets the typewriter. Um, gosh, there's just, there's so many. And I, I had a really hard time narrowing this down. I'll be honest. I, there were a ton of connecting points for me in this film. And so the one that I finally settled on and I'm going to highlight is when the gang are together and they're playing truth or dare. Now leading up to this, Charlie and Mary Elizabeth have been going out for a few weeks and we know as an audience how hard Charlie is forcing this. He is trying so hard to fit in and to belong. Just like we talked about earlier, find his identity and and figure this out and he wants a relationship so bad. He's trying to will himself into it, and he's changing who he is to make it work. So first of all, that is something that I think so many of us can relate to, and definitely me. Um, having such a deep desire for connection that we're willing to sacrifice who we are and become someone different to try and be what someone else wants us to be. But then Charlie gets dared by Patrick to kiss the prettiest girl in the room, and I held my breath, to be honest, because I was worried about what was going to happen here. And sure enough, it's what happens. Instinctively, Charlie leans over. He kisses Sam. And everyone was completely speechless, except for my guy, Patrick, who says, oh, that's effed up. And Patrick, I talk about this all the time, how (laughs) I love finding that F word in the PG 13 movies, because per, per the rating system, you're only allowed one. And I, I think this was a perfect use of it. That is the moment that needed that kind of exclamation. And so Mary Elizabeth gets up and leaves immediately followed by Alice. And then Sam who says, what the hell is wrong with you? Right? The girl he just kissed the girl. He just mm-hmm. told was the prettiest girl in the world. And her response is what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> so I really connected with him in this moment because he was acting on his heart before his head could stop him. He is also genuinely mad at himself for what he did and for the choice he made. And I really felt for him because no matter how hard he tried with someone else, i.e. Mary Elizabeth, he was, he was in love with Sam. And when I see that kind of love, the kind that you can't just quit on command and you, and especially when it's unrequited at the time, it puts me into tears because I know what that feeling is like. And so that that's the moment that I am most wrecked by this film in a movie full of moments that wreck me. (laughs) Well, it's a good one, man. And what I love about that is that it leads to the break of the friends. And then 
here's here's what I think is great. When you have an ensemble cast and friendships like that, it you 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 have to find a way to bring them back together. And the way Chabosky does it feels natural. Like you feel a sense of absence with these friends, and then there's the fight where Charlie blacks out, and he says later to Sam, he says, "Can we be friends again?" And she goes, "Of course we can." And it's that perfect like earned moment where yeah that makes sense that completely makes sense that, that they're finally kind of reconciled and i love that i love the fact that we got to see that it wasn't just a oh we got to wrap this up so let's make them friends again you know there was a moment that needed to happen for them to get reconciliation in a genuine way so i love that it started there and that it got got to be resolved in such a such a cool way yeah me too me too i love it i'm so glad that you guys asked me to watch this movie and pushed me to watch this movie. I'm so glad that we were able to talk about it and that it fits into this book to movie month. It's, it's one that is, it's an all timer for me. Like I said, I, I adore it. Well, I'm glad it can go in the trophy room. (laughs) So that makes me happy too. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you um, chiming in on social media, letting us know what you thought of the film. And uh, we look forward to hearing any more thoughts that you have this coming week. If you want to find out more about me personally, you can find me on the social media webs at uh, Shoeless Patch. I'm at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can also uh, check out past episodes, current episodes, not future episodes because they haven't come out yet. But you can visit everything about us on our website, feelinfilm.com. And if you're not following us on Twitter, you need to get on that. We're at feelinfilm. And that's where you can find out the latest and greatest stuff going on with us as a podcast. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Well, I can be found all over the internet at Aaron L. White, A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E on Twitter, Facebook, etc. You can find me everywhere uh, in the Feel and Film Facebook group, active as well, and also tweeting from the, the Feel and Film Twitter. Uh, next week, we have coming up Silver Linings Playbook. That's going to be our book to movie for week three. I'm excited to revisit that one. I haven't seen it in a couple of years now, I think. And frankly, I didn't even know it was based on a book until <laughs> we decided to do it. So that'll be an interesting Excelsior. experience for me. Excelsior. That's all I got to say about that. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, it's it is a it is a very very good movie, and at least as far as I remember it. And I'm I'm kind of interested to get in in there and see Jennifer Lawrence pre diva Jennifer Lawrence uh, back when <laughs> back when she was still kind of coming up and before she'd made it. And and see if I can compare that to where she is now. So <laughs> that'll be an interesting analysis right there. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again, guys, and um, keep listening to us. But uh, as we always say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film.